Welcome, listeners, to Season 6, Episode 1 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this is the Season 6 premiere <gasps> episode! <laughs> 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 this week, in case you couldn't guess from that, we are watching Jaws from 1975. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be another reason to get out of the water. <laughs> Which, when you mentioned that, Kelly, as what you wanted it to be here, I was like, that's so smart because it's so delicious. Spoilers. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. This episode will contain discussion on sharks, sexism, and animal death. If any of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next time. But you created this drink, which is quite an experience. So go ahead and take it away. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to start the season off with a bang or a drop or in this case, a reverse drop. So what I did is I mixed blue curacao, tropical rum and water uh, in the freezer. And about every half hour, I would like whisk it with a fork until eventually it became this like kind of slush material. Mm hmm. And then I took a shot glass and I put uh, black cherry or black cherry juice, uh, pure and creme de cassis. And then I like put the cup over the shot glass so that it vacuum sealed, flipped it upside down, put all the slush around the shot glass. And then when you pull it up, it does like a reverse drop where the blood fills up the blue of the water. And it's like a shark attack. Yeah. Uh, it worked, <laughs> worked out really so well. well. I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. Um, I'm glad that you're taking over the beverage making for the podcast because I don't think I could follow up with that. So I'm really <laughs> glad that you're in the position. I mean, I'm worried about one. following that up, too. I, uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's let's see how I do. <laughs> And before we get going, we wanted to thank all of our patrons. Thank you all so much for sticking with us during our extra long break. We're so grateful to Nicholas G, Jacob M, Diana S, Ollie A, Aiden T, Jackie V, Roxanne B, Let's Represent Podcast, Colleen D, and Aubrey L. When we got started up again for season six, I couldn't believe that you all were supporting <laughs> us that entire time that we were off, which is we're so grateful for because that helped us get the liquor for the podcast. Yeah, we basically <laughs> paid for all of the liquor for the season. Thank You're you. all the sponsors. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So this week, we watched Jaws, which premiered on June 20th, 1975. This episode is actually coming out on July 4th. And I was like, oh, Kelly, are there any horror movies that take place around July 4th? Well. And then there was, which is this one. Yeah, it's called American History. <laughs> <laughs> it is directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb. And it's based on the novel Jaws uh, by Peter Benchley as well. It stars Roy Scheider as Town Sheriff Brody, Robert Shaw as expert shark hunter Quint, and Richard Dreyfus as shark knowledge expert Hooper. The synopsis was written by Gary KMCD on IMDb. Thank you so much, Gary. We really appreciate it. And you did almost all the work for me, which is even <laughs> better. It's a hot summer on Amity Island. 
a small community whose main business is its beaches. When new sheriff Martin Brody discovers the remains of a shark attack victim, his first inclination is to close the beaches to swimmers. This doesn't sit well with Mayor Larry Vaughn and several of the local businessmen. Brody backs down to his regret as that weekend a young boy is killed by the predator. The dead boy's mother puts out a bounty on the shark and Amity is soon swamped with amateur hunters and fishermen hoping to cash in on the reward. A local fisherman with much experience hunting sharks, Quint, offers to hunt down the creature for a hefty fee. Soon, Quint, Brody, and Matt Hooper from the Oceanographic Institute are at sea hunting the great white shark. As Brody succinctly surmises after their first encounter with the creature, they're going to need a bigger boat. So after that, it's the cat and mouse game of shark versus fisherman. Quint gets eaten alive. Matt goes into a shark cage and barely escapes with his life when the shark smashes it to smithereens. And Brody is able to blow up the shark with a tank of compressed air. Together, Brody and Hooper swim away from their sinking ship and make it back to shore as credits roll. Hit me with that trailer audio. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws. Rated PG. Rated PG? Yeah. Holy cow. I think I read somewhere that uh, they had to delete a scene that made the movie like too graphic and they wanted it to be rated PG. So it, it in addition to like artistic integrity and stuff like that, they kind of toned down some of the violence so that it would remain PG a bit. OK, wow. Interesting. Yeah. This might be besides like, you know, we did Scooby Doo and stuff like that. Might be one of the lowest ratings we've ever had on the show. That's true. I'm surprised we haven't done like, I don't know, not G. I don't even, I don't remember the last time I've watched a G rated movie, uh, <laughs> but like a, a kid's horror movie or something like that, like something fun and wacky. Yeah, um, I like there's a lot of uh, discourse recently, but also recently as in like the last 10 years that sharks sharks get a bad rap mm-hmm. uh, that they're not that violent. But this makes it sound like they're the worst thing to ever exist. Which people take at face value. They're not like, this is a movie where I'm being sold that it's scary. This is this is the truth. I'm being spit facts. Yeah, I can't go swimming because there is a dinosaur <laughs> in the water that has been evolving for millions of years to specifically hunt me. Well, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I watched even just this trailer, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to go in the water ever. Uh, and something else did that to me, and I don't remember what it is. I've repressed that. <laughs> it couldn't have been Jaws, I'm sure. No, no giant sharks in that water for you. Definitely not. <laughs> do you have some thoughts? I do. My first thought is that I shouldn't have used water. I should have used, like, lemonade or something in this drink. I think it needs mm. a little bit more tang to it, but otherwise... I was thinking that, too, with, like... But I'm always the kind of person that's like, I need it to be sour, yeah. Uh, so I didn't say that earlier on, but the fact that you're also bringing that up is like, all right, we could yeah. could use some some little more zip in there. I still have a lot of slush. Maybe I'll throw some lemon in there. <laughs> uh, but my real first thought about the movie 
is that something about this movie feels like a roller coaster. And I, I don't mean like there's that initial uh, build up and then this whole winding excitement thing. It has sort of those like moments of calm punctuated by just like absolute chaos. And it's like everything from like the acting to uh, the camera work to like what's happening in the background. There was a moment early on in the film when uh, the main character sort of discovers that it's a shark attack. And it's just this long running shot of him like walking through the town, picking up supplies to make signs, talking to the mayor and stuff. And it's just all of this stuff's happening behind him. He like barely has a hold on it. And that sort of just like keeps happening throughout the movie, even to the point when they go hunting for the shark. There's a lot of just like nothing going on. And then suddenly yeah. the shark shows up and it's chaos for a while. And then it goes calm again. And it's chaos. And it's calm. And it's You'll chaos. You'll never know what's happening next. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. And though it, it kind of makes the whole movie feel like a shark attack. You know, like you're floating in the water. Everything seems peaceful and then you get attacked, but it just kind of bites you and then it swims away and you're like, you're sitting for a bit. And it's this sort of like ebb and flow of chaos and control. It's it's really cool. And talking about that first shark attack, when it happened in the film, I was not expecting it to be as long as it was mm. like she didn't even register the pain when she was first bit. And then like she got pulled under and it was like 20 seconds of her like sort of being almost played with by the shark. And you don't see anything graphic. There's no like blood or anything in that first one, which was very interesting to me. It was like playing with its food almost. Yeah. It's, and it's kind of like the same deal, too. Like there are moments where people can have fun and stuff on the beach. But then the moment they let their guard down, the shark is like <laughs> snack time. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. And I don't know. It's just it, it's while we were watching it, it really helped. It's a long movie. It's like two plus hours, two hours long, right? Yeah. Two and a bit. Um, and I didn't really feel that long because it was it was divided so nicely with between those those moments, uh, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, my second point is that the dang shark looked real good. I had heard that it like it was famous for not looking good. So I was <laughs> expecting really low shark quality. And I definitely agree with you. I was impressed. Yeah. Like I, you've gone to Universal Studios, right? And did like the, the Jaws ride when Jaws. it still existed. Yeah. And, and you, they have the like hanging upside down shark and everything that you can yeah. like take a picture with. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I went to the Hollywood one where they actually Tell me had more. They had the original shark animatronic uh, and there was like a little short skit that would happen where like it goes up and someone's on the pier and then the pier breaks and it's pulled back and stuff. It kind of recreates that scene of them trying to <laughs> catch him with the uh, food. Yeah. And I remember then I was like, eh, it kind of looks a bit cheesy. I mean, I was like six, so I was probably shitting myself, to be honest. But I, th I think I remembered that or it's like just co goes forward, comes back, goes forward, comes back. And I was like watching this. You can tell when it's obviously shots of a real shark swimming around that yeah. they, they filmed. But even it like coming out of the water and like almost attacking the, sh the uh, guy putting the chum out. Uh, not, it looked good. And, and that I'm, was a good jump scare. Yeah. that's And then he kind of freaks out and he's like, yeah. Oh. But yeah, I mean, I'm not one to be like, oh, CGI ruined practical effects. Those people suck. But like. It's a good practical effect. It looks like a real ass shark. Yeah, I've got some scary facts about that later that I'm going to hold on to. Ooh. And um, about the practical effects in general. Very ooh. exciting. Mm -hmm. They weren't practical. They were all real. 
they had a real <laughs> shark attack. Yeah, and real dead bodies is a tragedy. Cool. Um, <laughs> I had a minor fact because I didn't really look up too much about this. I just sort of I was reading like Reddit posts and stuff, but apparently the novel is a lot different. And I don't have anything about the novel. Oh, so cool. go ahead and tell me. Um, I mean, it's divisive. Like some people think that the novel's worse because there's a whole subplot of uh, Hooper. That's his name. The scientist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a whole subplot of like Hooper sleeping with um, Brody's wife and there's like an affair going on. There's apparently like the mafia on the island that is like threatening the mayor. There's like some I mean, the characters are all unlikable in the novel, apparently. And the climax is just happens real quick. And then the book is over. There's like I mean, a whole, that is still the same. <laughs> yeah. But there's a whole like apparently someone said like one page is killing the shark coming back. And like it's just like immediately ends in one page. Oh, wow. Uh, which is kind of interesting. There's no like catharsis. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that like a lot of people seem to agree that the movie is better. Huh. Yeah. Is that it for your your thoughts? Yeah, that's all of my thoughts. I appreciate you sharing them with me. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. Evil Amy is once again sponsoring our show. Relax with your favorite scented bath bombs. They have a variety to choose from, including Witch's Brew, Vampire Ash, Wolf Spain, and more delicious scents. Manufactured by Fantasy Soap Works, exclusive to Evil Amy's Terror Shop. Get yours, they ship globally at EvilAmy'sTerrorShop.com and use the code EVIL10 for 10% off of your purchases. We recently moved, which is kind of why we've been so uh, late on this episode, but the big exciting thing is that we have a bathtub and I haven't <laughs> been able to use the bath bombs and I have a lot of bath bombs now that I'm very excited to use. I've got the I've got one that looks like uh, Pennywise that just stares at me <laughs> and really wants me to use it now and I'm excited to. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream. And you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. If you do, we feature it on the show. We love it when we get messages from folks that are listening. We are so grateful for you. Just just take the time out of your day to spend it with us. So send us an email or shoot us a message. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. Let's swim on back to the episode. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'm just so out of practice that I didn't really give my thoughts on your drink. So I'm just going to like slide in now with them. Ooh, nice. (laughs) We talked about needing that extra bit of zing. But what I'm really impressed by is that you could make slush on your own. Like I always thought that slush drinks had to have something else added into them to make it slushy and not just like crushed ice where like mm-hmm. everything separates. Like when you try and make a snow cone at home, it doesn't really work because <laughs> all the juice will just go to the bottom. And this it stayed like relatively connected, which made it a very pleasurable drinking experience. Ooh. It was almost like I bet if it was a bit more frozen, it could almost be a dessert. Yeah. I didn't want to make like a snow cone because those are also hard to eat, like biting into the thing of Mm -hmm, ice. mm -hmm. Uh, So I like that the the uh, cherry and the creme de cassis almost like not melted, but just liquefied. So it was more just like a slush drink. Yeah. But yeah, you could totally I'm afraid while we're recording that the stuff that's in the freezer is going to freeze more (laughs) 
like too much. So uh, we'll see what it's like when it comes out. We might have to throw some stuff on it to make it eatable. <laughs> eatable, edible. But yeah, and I loved how much it was like an experience. It feels like something you would get at like the secret menu of a cocktail bar <laughs> where you got to pull out the shot glass to make it really look like a shark attack. And it was really yeah. well executed. So in, in that case, the shot glass would have the tail of a shark. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not the tail, the fin. That's you gotta true. have yeah. that. And you pull yeah. up the fin. <laughs> uh, do you have thoughts on the movie? I do. And of course, it wouldn't be drinking and screaming without me talking about the sexism. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Which, I mean, we clearly picked a great film to have this be a plot point of the podcast episode because holy cow, there's a lot. I mean, let's start off with the obvious, which is this came out in 1975. So, of course, every woman on screen is going to be, you know, a mom, a nurse, a secretary or a bikini wearing swimmer who gets bitten by a shark after we get to see her boobs, (laughs) which, again, this was PG. But we had our classic boobs shouting. So that was odd to me. Did we watch like an unrated version or were they just allowed to show boobs back then? I don't know. I mean, it was still pretty heavily obscured, so could be that it, we didn't actually see it. Not nip. obscured enough for young <laughs> Kelly if they had seen it. <laughs> and it gets worse, though. There are some pretty bad like lines in this film. Quint mentions, I didn't write down the exact line, but he basically is like, aren't all women just dumb? Like, mm. thank God we're all men on this boat and we can deal with this shark. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking dumb. And the other thing he says, too, which you mentioned was like a quote from a sea shanty is he talks about how he hopes that we can swim behind a bow legged woman. Yeah. Which I looked it up. And it's because if that happens, you're more like like if a woman is bow legged and she's swimming, her body will be horizontal. You're more likely to get a chance to see like her pubic area. Mm. So it's like, ooh, ha ha. Hopefully we get to see accidentally spot a private area of someone that doesn't know, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was fucking dumb. Maybe you could just try being nice and they'll show it to you uh, willingly. Yeah. You dumbass. You d- yeah. I wonder because there are a few Jaws movies that I don't even know how many there are. I think at least three. And I'm curious if there are later in later versions of the series, if there are more women that get involved in the actual shark hunting, like at least in this one, the mom whose kid died took up a stand like she smacked the sheriff and was like, this is on you. You have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that agency, but I wanted more, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm just Googling. I went Jaws 2 seems to be the same Jaws 3. Eh, a little bit more. Uh, Jaws 4. Michael Caine is in it. <laughs> is there a Jaws 5? Wait, how long does it... Is this going to be the next like long series that we have to watch? I don't know. Apparently. Uh, I have no idea how many movies there are. <laughs> okay, there seems to be only four. Strange. That's right. enough for like a whole day's marathon right there. Yeah. If they <laughs> hold up. Because this one was great. I hope that the other ones are also good. Jaws 3D. So uh, (laughs) and this was the only one done by Steven Spielberg. So. All right. All right. Yeah. And then my last point is that, of course, we can't talk about Jaws without talking about the music. I mean, you sang it at the beginning of this (laughs) podcast episode. It's so, so iconic. It's just two notes that gives you a villain, which is a quote from The Holiday by Jack Black. 
Uh, he's like, oh, yeah. Donna, <laughs> you have a villain. And he's holding up the Jaws <laughs> DVD um, poster. But it's so true. And I had heard that song. I know that song. But it's also interesting watching it for the first time. I'm pretty sure this was the first time I've ever seen Jaws besides like clips of it. It also is so weirdly like jaunty. I don't know how to really describe it. It's like so happy. There was a point, I think, where the subtitle said like adventurous, upbeat music or something like that. And I was like, all right, fine. (laughs) Which I guess goes with the PG rating that they wanted. Maybe if there was more sinister music, it would have like upped the fear factor. But you can totally tell that this is a John Williams score. It's there are very iconic, almost like Harry Potter feelings baked into this music. And yeah, I mean, calling on how the subtitles said it was like adventurous music. It did make it feel less horror film and more like an action family. Not even action, though, like a family adventure. Yeah, it's very. um, uh, What's what's that book that everyone has to read in school? the catcher in the rye. <laughs> no, the one with the shark or with the one with the whale. Moby Dick. That's the oh. one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like at some point it does kind of feel like the um, downtrodden sailors trying to hunt down the, the giant shark. But then the music is like, no, you know what? It's fun, though. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but that's it for my my main my main points. Ooh. I okay, so you know I don't like the water, so yep. I actually hunted a Jaws, you know one one of them Jaws that, that Jaws. you do, one of them mm-hmm. Jaws, uh, carved it all up real good. Are we having sushi? Uh, yeah, you can have some of that. I took some <laughs> of its leathery dinosaur skin, bound it to a book, uh, set a bunch of chants that I I learned in Latin, um, and now it's alive and is trying to eat me. Um, but before it does that, it is time to open the Um, I got a recommendation. Mine Great. is Tremors from 1990. Uh, cause it's kind of like Jaws, but it's not underwater, which makes it far superior. <laughs> uh, and the, the creature is called a graboid. So, you know, how can you? go wrong with that uh that is tremors from 1990 my recommendation is open water from 2003 which is about a couple who gets stranded in the ocean when their tour guide miscounts the number of people on the boat after a scuba diving (laughs) excursion which i mean holy crap fired never hire this person ever but i saw it when i it first came out in 2003 and i remember really liking it and i haven't seen it since and I don't remember this, but apparently it's shot as a found footage film, oh. which is one of my favorite genres of horror. So I got to watch it again. That's Open Water from 2003. No, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll watch it alone. It's time for Benedict's Scaredy Facts. For those of you who are joining us for the first time or, you know, if you just like hearing the story like I do, Scaredy Facts is the part of our show where we snuggle up on the couch, get under the covers after we've watched a scary movie together. And, you know, we go on IMDb, various movie sites to read some trivia facts, get into some interviews, figure out, you know, remind ourselves this is just a movie. We are okay. We are safe. This wasn't real. And 
I am doing the scary facts for this episode. So we're going to jump on in. And all episodes to come. We have jobs now. (laughs) Yes. Kelly is the cocktailer and I am the scaredy factor. Starting with the budget, which was an estimated seven million. I remember when we were watching this, Kelly, I was like, I need to know what the budget was because Mm. it felt so high level for me. So seven million. That makes sense. There's so much water shots creating the, the Jaws monster, all that stuff. And they made it back in opening weekend. In just U.S. and Canada alone, they made over seven million on their opening weekend and gross worldwide is astounding. Four hundred and seventy one point four million. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. It's an institution at this point. Totally, totally. Now, remember how I was titillating you about um, information regarding props and special effects? I do. So according to director Steven Spielberg, The prop arm looked too fake in the scene where Chrissy's remains are discovered. So instead, they buried a female crew member in the sand with only her arm exposed. Nice. So, you know, it was a real person. Yeah. I mean, that did make it really creepy with like the crabs and stuff crawling all over her. Yeah. 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 It was more ominous and like your mind did the rest of the work. Yeah. Uh, When composer John Williams originally played the score for director Steven Spielberg, he laughed and said, "Okay, that's funny, John, really. But what did you have in mind for the theme of Jaws? And obviously this film is iconic for its music. And Spielberg has later stated that without Williams score, the movie would only have been half as successful. And it actually jumpstarted John Williams career also, which Mm. is great for him. Nice famously misquoted line, you're going to need a bigger boat, wasn't scripted. It was ad-libbed by Roy Scheider. Yeah, that's, uh, I think when we were watching it and he's like, you're going to need another boat or a bigger boat, I was like, uh, isn't it usually said we're going to need a bigger boat? Yeah. And it's, yeah, one of those misquoted ones. Yep. In the documentary Making of Jaws, which came out 20 years after the film, they mentioned that the shooting star that appears in the night scene where Brody loads his revolver was a real shooting star. It was just chance that it happened. That's wild. Which I thought was great. I've never seen a shooting star in real life. So does this count? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Though respected as an actor, Robert Shaw, who played Quint, He had trouble with alcohol and was a frequent source of tension during filming. But in later interviews, Roy Scheider described his co-star as a perfect gentleman whenever he was sober. All he needed was one drink and then he turned into a competitive son of a bitch. Hmm. And according to Carl Gottlieb's book, The Jaws Log, Shaw was having a drink between takes, at which one point he announced, I wish I could quit drinking. So it was very public that he was struggling with his alcoholism. and. Actually, during the when he said that Richard Dreyfus just grabbed his glass and just threw it into the ocean to try and get him to stop drinking. And there's a moment in the show, in the movie where the three of them are, you know, they're drinking. They have these monologues together. They're bonding. And of course, Robert Shaw tried to do the monologue while already intoxicated and Like every other film that we've ever seen actors try to do this. Of course, it was completely unusable. They spent all night doing it. Nothing could be used. And then he called Steven Spielberg later and was like, I'm really sorry. Can I try again? And the next day they refilmed that shoot and it was done like in one take and it was perfect. And that's the the take that you see in the film. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, sad. 
It sounds yeah. like he was very much struggling with his uh, his drinking problem. Wow, that's wild. I mean, that scene is very good. I remember how like haunting his whole monologue about that was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the novel. So when Steven Spielberg first read the novel, he found himself rooting for the shark because the human characters were so unlikable, which is exactly what you were saying. And I feel like they sort of made that a few good changes in the film to make you want the humans to win. But honestly, at the same time, not enough. Like I was pretty much team shark as well. Yeah, same. I mean, it's hard to not side with the shark at the end of the day. I think the only person that was really likable was uh, the main character. Yeah, the sheriff. (laughs) Yeah, Brody, because like his relationship with his kids and his wife were like really nice and fun and like flirty with his wife and they seem to have a really good relationship. So he was the only one that I was like, oh, yeah, he should come back. But yeah. uh, everyone else was kind of annoying. <laughs> a pretty well-known fact is that the shark is named Bruce. But this is actually because Steven Spielberg named it that after his lawyer. Nice. <laughs> uh, 25% of the film is shot from water level to provide the viewers the perspective as if they were treading water. Ooh, that's which cool. I thought was pretty interesting. I had to include that because, you know, you're always into the very cinematic reasonings (laughs) now this goes back to the actual mechanical animatronics that they created of the bruce of the shark so three were made each with specialized functions one shark was open on the right side one was open on the left side and the third was fully skinned each shark cost approximately two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make wow I don't really know what they mean by open on one side or the other, like the mouth. I would imagine like where the mechanism sticks into so they can move it around. Oh, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That makes sense. Okay, And then apparently I don't have any scary facts about it, but it's pretty well known that working with the animatronic was very difficult. So and it's apparently a widespread rumor is that they didn't even attempt to use these animatronics before they started filming, which is actually not true. It was tested in water before it arrived on Martha's vineyard and worked perfectly. But the tests were done in the non-salt water tank at Universal Studios. Once it was placed in actual ocean water, the salt wreaked havoc with the shark's controls, which then Mm. made them much harder to use. That makes sense. I'm surprised that they even use the animatronic in like ocean water. I guess they there's a few shots that would be really hard to recreate mm-hmm. where you can actually see the shark in the ocean. Yeah. Talking about like having the sharks in the ocean too. Um, this wasn't a scary fact that I wrote down, but I did see it come up in my research that, you know, this where they film the shark, like destroying the shark cage. Mm-hmm. That was a real shark. And they sort of like trapped it. This is where animal cruelty comes in. So if you don't want to hear this, fast forward 30 seconds. Um, but they trapped a shark on top of the shark cage, which is why it was very distressed and like rolling around. Mm. And that was like a long shot of the film. And I was like, wow. And yeah, so apparently it was really bad for the shark. I feel bad for it. No, that That was a real shark. Yeah. Yeah. Mythbusters did a whole episode on Jaws. So they've like debunked and proved a few things. I'll just rattle them off here. It concluded that piano wire does not have the tensile strength needed to be used as an adequate shark catching line. 
Scuba tanks will not explode when shot. <laughs> a great white shark can ram a dive cage with enough force to damage or destroy it. So that was true. A great white shark has enough power to punch a hole in the side of a wooden boat under the right circumstances. But an example of this happening has never been documented. Hmm. A shark's maximum striking force is enough to pull the barrels under, but the force a shark can generate in a continuous pull is insufficient to keep the barrels underwater for a significant amount of time. A shark cannot generate enough force to pull a boat backwards with a <laughs> great enough speed that waves break over the stern. And punching a shark in the nose, eyes, or gills will cause it to flee or at least back off briefly. Huh. Whereas this shark was being shot in the face yeah. and didn't do anything. And last but not least, I have to include a dog fact if there's a dog in the movie. Brody's dog in the movie was actually Steven Spielberg's real dog, Elmer. Meow. Yay. And that's uh, it. That's good. Those are some good scaredy facts. It felt nice to be able to do this again. I'm all like in the moment feeling all mushy. <laughs> Ew. Uh, final thoughts? You want to do some final thoughts? Yeah. I mean, we sort of spoke about this earlier, but my final thought is... I really enjoyed this movie. I thought I would I was expecting to like it less, but the effects were great. I loved the gore in the water in particular was really well done. You could see that like it was very not poignant, like pungent. The red was really Mm. vibrant, just like in this drink. And the shark itself, I was impressed. It was great, especially considering it was made in 1975. So overall, I would watch this again. I recommend it if you haven't seen it. And uh, yeah, loved it. Uh, My final thought is that um, all of the moments on the boat just really made me want to play Sea of Thieves again. Uh, All of their like interactions with each other and like getting them to do this. Go do this. You have a job. You're steering. You do the chum and stuff. Just like as much as all of them sucked and were assholes, that camaraderie of working together to run a ship is just really cool and that game is very fun to do that nice that's like this is a total tangent but playing sea of thieves my favorite part of it was just sailing being on the boat (laughs) and i didn't even do the sailing i was like if the ship gets damaged i'll be the one that like takes the bucket of water (laughs) and throws it off the boat but it was just so nice to be on the open water yeah yeah um not sponsored (laughs) (laughs) well that's been jaws a movie about a dog that just went for a really long swim i i made that i wrote that thinking we would talk about the fact that they just had the dog disappear without showing a scene of it dying but i was grateful that they didn't so there is as i said in the scaredy fact steven spielberg's dog is featured in the film but um unfortunately doesn't make it out alive or, you know, he does. Yeah. It's fine. We so, don't see it. <laughs> well, that was Jaws, a movie about a dog we didn't t- talk about that went on a long, <laughs> really long swim. <laughs> Next week, we'll be watching a Canadian lesbian horror, What Ooh. Keeps You Alive, from 2018. And remember, always scream responsibly. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 